I'm Spencer Atkins, and this is Bank After Ball. This is Bank After Ball. This show was created to talk about athletes' journeys on and off the field in the world of business, entrepreneurialism, and finance. Let's see what's going on today. Today's guest is Spencer Atkins, CEO of Still Life. Let's jump into it. What's up, buddy? How are you? Man, thanks for having me. So tell, tell me a little bit more about what you've been up to, you know, since you left uh, UCLA. Yeah, so I started off working in investment banking at a firm called East Hill Secured up in San Francisco. Um, kind of a real estate generalist. And then soon after, I uh, started a company called Still Life about two years ago. It's a health and wellness company that just really focuses on teaching tools, techniques, and content around a practice that we call stillness, which is just a meditative form to stop your thoughts momentarily to reboot and uh, your system, find clarity, peace, focus. And uh, we kind of focus on two sides of the platform, one in-person side of the business, and then uh, otherwise we also have an app. So how did you come up with that? Yeah, so it was eight years, very organic. I went and got introduced to another co-founder, Jim George. He had a private practice in Venice, and really all that was was he would work with executives, athletes, and he would kind of walk in, and the first time I met him, he asked me two questions, and he said, who are you really, and what do you love? And uh, we did some forms of meditation, and then we started an eight-year relationship where I'd talk to him, and he'd help me focus on like my values, you know, focus, clarity, where do I want to be, and how do I ultimately want to get there? And then another co-founder, Henry Mitchell, we started running Airbnbs and just started inviting as many people as we knew to uh, do these sessions. And then kind of the list grew too big. So we started, uh, kind of built an actual facility for it. So where's your facility now? It's located on Abbot Kinney in Venice, okay. California. That's obviously a big shift from football, right? Yep. So obviously you played football at UCLA, but tell us, tell us a little bit more about how did you make that transition? I mean, obviously you talked about you went into banking and those things, but let's go back to UCLA in the sense of what were you thinking about doing when you were currently at UCLA and like what prepared you to do what you were doing now? Absolutely. So when I was in football, that was like my singular mindset. Like how do I optimize around being an athlete? And then we just started meeting, like being at a school like that, you just meet so many people outside of even athletics. And so I just met a ton of incredible people that were going into banking, consulting, real estate. And I took an internship at Wedgwood Incorporated with Christian Worley. Oh, okay. Um, and there I was just consumed by like big deal flow and just incredible minds. And so that ultimately, I started was like, okay, real estate is something that my family's in, have a background into it. And that's kind of where I saw that trajectory of where I wanted to go. And then ultimately I like, I think a big thing here is network. So I would go into like our business school real estate classes, sneak into the back. I would go to every networking event possible. And I would just go up to people and introduce myself. Hi, I'm Spencer, I'm an undergrad, I'm an athlete. I would love to learn. And so I probably, what really helped me, I probably took out 30 alumni in real estate and just, hey, can I take you out for coffee? Can I learn about you, what you're doing? And so real estate is a pretty big industry. And then it kind of narrowed my focus in on kind of the investment banking side. And uh, that's ultimately where I went off and worked, but it was really just the network of alumni and meeting people. That's a lot, what you just did. Let's unpack that. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about, one, 
a lot of people struggle with networking in college because they're, yeah. you're, like you said, they're very singular focused on sport, 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 but they don't think about life after. So you very much were thinking about life after football much earlier than most. Yeah. So were there programs set up at UCLA or was it more so of like you just took it upon yourself to go introduce yourself and, and go talk to these different people? Yeah, I think it was a mix. So when I was in football, I knew that the NFL was very unlikely for me personally. Um, and so every free time that I had, I was like, okay, I need to find this. So then the first obvious one is like, okay, what classes are offered? UCLA at the time had really no entrepreneurship or real estate classes. There was one, I think it was management 180 or something yep. that was real estate focused, mm -hmm. attended that. But then there was just this huge lack of like, where do you get started? And there was no yep. associations really started at the time. So through this kind of networking process, you met so many alumni that were like, hey, I want to help out. You know, there's probably a lot of other people like me. And USC across the street has a huge real estate program. Yep. So part of this organic process probably took a year. I partnered up with another kid um, that was already working in real estate, undergrad UCLA. And we we're like, hey, let's start up, let's start our association. So we started the Bruin Real Estate Association. And all that really was, it started with like, hey, weekly meetings with students. We had maybe 35 members. That ultimately grew to, we were getting Argus training. We had huge alumni come and speak to us every week. We actually got um, like a sponsored Argus class learning Excel. And so that was kind of like a three year run and we grew it up to like over 300, 300 members and that's still now. I see top placements, all their updates, they're crushing it. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, you started something, you built a foundation and now it's, it's still going. You go back on and talk all the time? Uh, I have once so far. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how do you go from real estate into still life though? Yeah. So that was again, like an organic transition. I was working up in SF and I would fly back on LA and we would just rent out these Airbnbs and do these like in-person sessions. And I kind of got to a certain point where, you know, kind of answering those two questions again, it's always stuck in my head, which is like, who am I really and what do I truly love? And I think that's a huge thing. The faster you can uncover that and it can definitely change, but it'll help just give you a goal. And what kind of came to me is like mental health, like on the athlete side, student side, just being a human being, we have like, we go through hard times. And I think culturally, that was like really at the time that, you know, you'd have big influencers or athletes or even politicians be like, hey, mental health is kind of this crisis. Um, COVID obviously accelerated that trend. So we kind of came back together. My other co-founder was at UCLA, then the um, Healthy Mind Lab in Washington University okay. and actually studying, you know, the benefits of meditation and different demographics. And he kind of came, we were just always talking. He's like, hey, you know, we can do this so much better. Like we can bring this to a culture like us that are like a little younger and like are going through these things and how do we make it real? Something that has no dogma or doctrine or this like um, kind of woo woo vibe. And then Jim George, who I said had the private practice, he's like just incredible communicator, but has been practicing this stuff for over 40 years. So the three of us kind of came together and we started off with an in-person that we just coined an Equinox for the Mind for companies and we'll do like community events and actually practicing these tools and techniques for people. So let's talk more about the business of still life, right? Yeah. So one, are you guys bringing in revenue? Are you guys in a round right now? How is that process? 
Yeah, we're closing out our, our round. Really, it's basically closed 99% this month. Um, we are making revenue. Um, very blessed in, in that scenario, but we're very early on. The app's been out five months now, and on the physical side, we literally launched two weeks before COVID. So we had our a full team offsite come in for a company that paid to come in, and then we had like three launch events, had COVID. We're like, what do we do now? And then ultimately we, we launched an app uh, this uh, March. What are some of the biggest features on there that you, you like and you want viewers to know? I think the biggest thing that I'm most proud about is like, we all know that feeling when we get on Netflix and we're like, what do we pick? What am I feeling? What do I want to watch? And so there was a lot of that was out there in the meditation world, which was like giant libraries, celebrities that were dropping music on this. So our home screen is literally just press play. We'll take care of the rest. So getting out of that choice paralysis, um, three other core features that we have. So the just press play is a 10 minute daily meditation that builds with you in a journey. And then we have a choose your state feature, which is like sleep. Obviously everyone knows sleep. SOS, which is like a five minute powerful reboot. It's like my personal coach where it's like, hey, come back to the breath. You're good. You are not those thoughts, those distractions. And then the third one is my personal favorite, which is called go mode. And so it's really the fusion of sitting down, getting still, doing a quick meditation, but actually getting up and doing physical movement. And then at the end, doing quick round of breath work. So it's like when you need to feel productive, a lot of people think of meditation as like something that is really relaxing. Through the power of the breath, you can actually upregulate your system as well. Wow. That's awesome. I need to do that some more. Yeah, it, it's powerful. It's powerful. So let's jump back into your networking. Yeah. So I really want to want to hold in on that because that's yeah. a huge thing that so many people struggle with. Yeah. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, but what made, what inside of you was like, hey, I need to seek these people out at such a young age because many people don't understand that till it's well beyond what when they're done with their sport or something like that. I'm right. like, hey, I need to reach out for help. I need to take these people out for coffee. I need to do X, Y, Z. What made you, in your mind, when you were in college, say, I need to take my time, my free time, and seek these people out? I think the one thing that I know is I know that I don't know a ton. So I was seeking for other people who are experts in their domain and to continue to learn. I think the second thing that I realized was being an athlete on a college campus, like a school like UCLA, you have this short period where alumni, other students, faculty are gonna go out of their way to really help you out. And so you like represent something bigger. And so I think if you can take advantage of that and know that you know other people are gonna give you a second shot or just because you say I'm an athlete, like if you take advantage in that short time frame, like you have probably a higher probability to have a coffee get booked, have a meeting. Um, and so that started really early on. I knew that I wanted to get into real estate, didn't really know much about it, didn't even know the field. Like, you know, there's lending side, there's like the equity sales side, there's private equity within it. So where do I start? And then the second thing was like, hey, I know I'm kind of in this unique phase that I can represent a school, be an athlete, something that's differentiated. And all I said was like, I'm just looking for help. I'm just looking to learn. And I think the third thing that made a huge difference was the follow-ups. Like, I think it's easy to book something, you go have a meeting, you're like, okay, I got what I needed from there, I'm going off my way. So like, 
I remember I ordered like 500 stationary cars with my name on it and I'd write a handwritten letter every single time. I would send a Starbucks gift card, you know, 10 bucks. Hey, thank you so much for that coffee. I hope that we can pass that forward to someone else or like, um, you know, hey, I'm starting this association. Love to have you come back and speak. Wow, that's actually, it seems like you were well beyond your time because I wish that even myself, like I, I was big on networking, but I wish I probably would have pushed that a little bit more as far as taking people out and doing those things. But like you said before, you're very focused on your sport. So sometimes I think that slips people's mind. Right. But I wish that more athletes knew that eventually you're going to have to make that shift. Yep. So you need to make sure that you're preparing yourself as early as you can to make that shift. Because Absolutely. very few people are like Tom Brady who playing the league for until you're 40. Right. You know, and then you've made enough money to sustain you well beyond. But the, re the sad reality is, is even if you make it pro in football or basketball, most people only play for two and a half years. Even very short-lived. So that's incredible that you learned that at such a young age to be able to do that. And I hope that young people start to do that a little bit more. So if you had to give advice to anyone coming out right now, what, what would you give them to athletes coming out? Yeah, I would just take a minute and pause. I think our, everything that we do is go, go, go. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? I think having the realization that your dream is not going to happen tomorrow and take a, a slower, more thoughtful process to look internally before looking externally and just really kind of go through and ask yourself, you know, where do I want to be in 10 years and five years, three years? And what are the skill sets that I need to obtain to get there to have the highest probability to achieve that? And then start with like a really close network and try to find mentorship. I think mentorship, I can't um, talk enough about is learning from other people because they've had a path, they've made a ton of mistakes and ask the hard questions, you know, like, you know, what was the big mistake that you made in your journey? And they'll say it, but ask the deeper question is like, what was your mindset in that moment? And then try to translate that back to where you are. In this next segment, we have bullish or bearish. Bullish implies it's going up, bearish implies it's going down. Let's see what they think. Sports uh, psychologist. Bullish, more resources, the better. Athletes meditation. Very bullish. More the merrier. The more you do it, the better it's going to get. NFTs. Bearish. Get in, get out, get educated, or don't play. Real estate market. Bullish within the right environments and locations. Still life app. Bullish. <laughs> Try it out. Just press play. Thanks for coming out. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. Go Bruins. Go Bruins, baby. Thanks so much for watching, guys. I will see you guys next season. Boom. Boom.